This is Dr. Kara Shepard, and you're listening to Goat Talk with the Goat Doc. Thanks for listening to Goat Talk with the Goat Doc. I'm going to talk about neonatal goat kids in this episode. I am headed northwards on the highway right now. I hope the vehicle noise isn't too much uh, to uh, see some friends. And i got to stop by the state lab to pick up some tuberculins. So there might be a little pause in the podcast when I do that, but uh, hopefully the the audio quality is tolerable for this uh, episode while I'm going too fast on the highway. And I just looked at my speedometer and realized I am, in fact, going too fast on the highway. So, yeah. Uh, thank you guys for listening and tolerating the road noise, and hi to all the new listeners, because I don't know who's sharing the podcast, but... There's, like, more listenings happening now, y'all, and that's kind of cool. It's kind of cool to see. Um, I posted on Instagram. If you follow me on Instagram at goat underscore doc, you uh, may have seen that I'm coming, and I mentioned this, I think I mentioned this in another podcast episode. We're coming up on some fun round numbers with everything and getting to, like, 50,000 downloads of the podcast, getting to almost 1,000 followers on Instagram, and getting close to 100 rates and reviews on Apple Podcasts. I feel like those are all going to happen at close to the same time, and when they happen, I'm going to do a fun giveaway that will be on Instagram. And uh, Yeah, I think i got to do it through Instagram, and maybe like Apple Podcasts as well um, to to give you some stuff to say thank you for listening. Um, You can follow me on Instagram at goat underscore doc. You can email me at goatdoccara at gmail.com uh, you can find the website, which the new website is up now, and that is at goatdoc.com, and I have combined stuff about the podcast and um, stuff about my ambulatory practice to one website now. So it is your source online for all things Goat Doc in the uh, internet world and in the real world. So check me out there uh, from the website, or you can just type in uh, patreon.com slash goat doc if you like the podcast, if you're enjoying it, if you think it's worth throwing a couple bucks a month at to help me do things like pay for a new website hosting. And um, I'm also getting some new things going on there. I'm starting to make some like downloadable things like checklists and questionnaires and um, like my templates for goat record keeping. There's some different like patron gifts on there if you want to check that out. I'm also going to be, I think I'm going to start probably early March, probably first week of March. I got to ask my current patrons what works for them, but I want to do like a monthly live stream Q&A goat online conversation type thing for patrons Uh, I set up a YouTube channel to do that but that's like some patron exclusive content and 
and what else? My husband wants to set up a goat cam, like a live streaming webcam for patrons to to spy on my goats and see what they're up to. Uh, now that the power's on in the barn, hooray! That, like, just happened this week, if you've been listening. That's been a saga. Um, and what else? Uh... Yeah, so if you're curious about that, if you think that sounds like some, a fun time, check out, uh, you can either link from the Connect tab on the website to Patreon or patreon.com slash is the direct URL. I think that is all the usual housekeeping type things, and I just looked at my recorder and I thought it had died, so yeah, but it didn't, so I think we're good to go. Uh, and we're going to talk, I'm going to talk off the top of my head here about uh, neonatal goat kids, fresh out of the mom goat kids, what we do with them, what I recommend for them, what like things to watch out for. And uh, yeah, we'll see, we'll see where we get with that. I'll try to, it might be a two-parter, we'll see how it goes. Maybe we'll go with like normals in this episode and then like normals and like how to avoid like the usual most common problems and then get into more specifics in another episode i don't want to get too long-winded i feel like 30 35 minutes is pretty good uh as always this podcast is provided with the intent to educate and inform it is not a substitute for professional medical advice or veterinary care provided by your primary vet and i strongly encourage you to establish and maintain a current and valid vcpr veterinary and client patient relationship with your local vet neonatal goat kids uh they're the best ones in my opinion uh they're uh, goat kids are amazing and um they're awesome for like two weeks and then they get obnoxious until they're like two years old and then they're awesome again so enjoy that first two weeks guys because then they get obnoxious and jump all over you and act like little brats and then you got to put up with them for two years before they're awesome again in my opinion uh, the, uh, where to start? I guess like what we do, you know, the, the kids, you don't, <laughs> the kids are generally under control. Mom's got them taken care of, uh, while they're inside of her. You don't have to worry about them until they come out. Like that sounds kind of silly to say. Um, but in general, most, the vast majority, as I said in a previous episode, the vast majority of goat pregnancies and labor and delivery goes really well and really smooth and there's not issues. Um, and like, honestly, pretty much the same goes for, for goat kids too. Um, they're pretty, the animals that are so much more like self-sufficient when they're born than humans like I think that's just why they're cooler goat kids and deer and foals and piglets and the like like they're all like up and walking around within hours and it's it's just cool where like humans are these little like larval things that need to be completely like have their needs completely taken care of by their parents for a long long time um (laughs) yeah but that's a whole another conversation right there Um, so the goat kid, you know, comes out and then what? There's a, there's, you know, differences in how people raise goat kids 
if you've listened to all the podcast episodes, you know that my husband and I raise our, we bottle raise all of our kids, and we do that for a few reasons. One is because we want to make sure that everyone gets adequate colostrum and then gets uh, their adequate like milk intake on a regular basis for their growth and development. This, you know, some, and this also depends on what your dough is like, because like some doughs are going to be great moms and they've got everything under control. And if you want to dam raise, then that's fine. You're going to be fine if mom's got it under control. But if you either don't want to dam raise or mom is bad at it, then you have to like take over that responsibility. And we take it over because of the nutrition thing, because we want our animals to be very people-oriented, and, like, we don't have time. We're going to kit out 40 40 does roughly this spring, so we'll expect probably 90 to 100 kids on the ground, and we don't have time with that many animals to, like let them all dam raise but then spend time handling 90 goat kids to the extent that then they would be friendly and people oriented it's way easier just to bottle raise them that and uh, also because of our production dairy we like to, to milk everybody so Devin has his hands on every doe's udder twice a day and if something is going wrong he knows it right away he's pretty good at that so those are our, our reasons why we bottle raise our kids. Our kind of routine, to kind of jump right into it, is that we tend to attend all the births, as I talked about in the Kidding 2020 episode, and uh, we tend to be fairly hands-on with these animals. When the kids come out, we make sure right away that their airways are clear, we squeegee all the goo off of them, we have lots of towels nearby so we can wash their or wipe their little faces off Uh, we use a bulb syringe to help suck the goo out of their nose and out of their mouth Um, and then we kind of aggressively help dry them off with towels Uh, (laughs) drying them off is like mom's way better at that too so most of our does are pretty good moms uh, in terms of like they're interested in cleaning up the babies they want to lick all the goo off some of them don't some of them want to like lick the puddle of goo that came out and they don't care about the babies some of them will like put their butt in the corner when they're in labor and then the baby comes out and they're like sitting on it and these are the reasons why my husband and I try to attend all of our our births um So we get the kids out and we help dry them off and usually they're pretty like feisty and stressed out from squeezing through the birth canal and they're ready to go. Um, Our typical kind of brand new kid processing plan is we get all the kids delivered usually. Uh, Usually we wait until they're all out. So if there's three, we wait till all three of them are out. Sometimes we may get a little impatient if it's a multiple birth and she's taking a long time. We'll take the kids and go kind of process them. And by processing, I mean like assigning them a tattoo number. We ID band all of our kids because we have a lot of them. Um, 
so when they come out they get their tattoo number assigned I think are we on M this year for our for our tattoo letter I think maybe uh, and uh, so we take our ID bands so those are like disposable ID bands that go around their necks we write on the ID band the kids date of birth and who their mom was and their tattoo number um, we have a spreadsheet adjacent to that that matches up to that that goes by tattoo number and it has the animal's date of birth uh, sex uh mom's mom's name and a, a physical description of that animal because sometimes the id tags come off the id bands around the neck come off and then if we don't know who that kid is we try i try to write down what they look like so then we do have an idea of who that kid is uh, later on they'll get like permanent identification of uh uh, their permanent tattoo, but I tend to not tattoo them right when they're coming out because they got enough going on. Uh, oh, and we also weigh them. Um, so dried off, ID'd, weighed, and um, uh, we uh, dip their umbilical cords in chlorhexidine solution which is, is my kind of preferred disinfectant right now chlorhexidine also can use betadine solution uh, and I tie them with uh, plain wax dental floss so my procedure for that usually is to tear the umbilical cord so it's about two to three inches long away from the kid's body and I did I said tear intentionally because uh, tearing pulls the blood vessels and stretches them out thin so there's less likely to be any bleeding and this also doesn't leave an open um, like an a, a wide open blood vessel end out to the world. The tying of the umbilical cord goal is to disinfect that area and tie it off to prevent like germs from getting up it basically for bacteria to crawl up that uh, nice little port of entry into that animal's body. So I will tear off the umbilical cord. If it's really long and hanging, I'll tear it off to be about like two to three inches long away from the kid's body. I dip it in chlorhexidine solution. I tie it with uh, the dental floss and then I dip it again. So that's how I do it. And um, then we put them, we tend to put the kids in warming barrels while we go and get bottles ready. Warming barrels, uh, we tend to do that because we live in Maine and it's cold and uh, they're like plastic 50 gallon barrels with a heat lamp permanently mounted to the bottom of the barrel and then the top is open but then you put the barrel upside down and there's a little door cut out for the kids to get in and out of and that is like a nice thing for them because it contains them for the most part like for that usually for like that first 24 hours they're like they're asleep you flop them in there they're not too too mobile yet so they go in there and they like it and it, it has a confined space for them to be in goat kids tend to like confined spaces like that um, you can give them like a little dog house or a barrel or something like that and they tend to like to crawl under things 
They tend to like to do this as they get older too. I don't know what their deal is, but like we just built all those hay feeders that Devin and I talked about in the last episode. And like all the yearling does were crawling under them. <laughs> so we put, we didn't want them crawling under there. So we put uh, like a, we put wood around the four the, the, the legs to prevent them from getting under there. They, I don't know, that's like a security safe zone or something like that. Uh, goat kids tend to like to get under stuff and tend to like to get into little places like that. I've had goat kids, you know, get under places like that and then get stuck and then get hypothermic and then that's a pain. Uh, they're not the smartest critters sometimes. But, so we use warming barrels and we'll put like three or four kids per barrel and separate them out because then they're also stupid and they'll all go in there at once and squish each other. Um, so we, we tend to do that as well. Um, and then we will go and prepare colostrum. Usually like we kind of, Devin and I kind of tag team this stuff. If we're both around, one of us will take care of the kids and the other one of us will take care of mom and we'll milk mom out and get colostrum from her and then we feed it right back to the kids things to think about as far as that goes you definitely want to know your animal's health status as far as communicable diseases c-a-e-c-l yonis c-a-e in particular um, would be the highest risk for transmitting through milk if you're on a CAE prevention program or something like that, you want to be heat treating your milk prior to feeding it to the kids. Uh, and then, like, the sooner the deal with colostrum is that the infants, the infants, the, the kids, I just said infants because I was talking with my a friend of mine about this and I was like, I don't know anything about people. Would people, human infants need colostrum? And she said, why, yes, they do. Um, but I didn't, I didn't know that. But anyway, uh, so the kids need colostrum from their mom because they're born without an immune system. I'm going to do an episode on failure of passive transfer, but the the passive transfer is the colostrum obviously if you've ever milked colostrum out of the dough uh is fit like it looks physically different from regular milk usually it's kind of yellow often it'll be really like thicker and sticky um it's just a it's not straight up regular milk and it's a different it's a different thing the um and that's because it t contains antibodies. I want to uh, say IgG, <laughs> immuno, immunoglobulin, uh, that the babies then absorb across their intestine for a very limited time. So basically the first 24 hours of that baby's life, the, the intestinal barrier is open to allow those antibodies to passively transfer via going across the intestine to the baby's like circulation. So antibodies are molecules that like catch antigens and antigens are, you know, most often related to some kind of pathogen. So it could be bacteria, could be a toxin, uh, whatever it is. 
uh, you want there to be antibody present to catch on to it, and then uh, the immune system can destroy it. The immune system is crazy and complicated, so to try to explain it in like two sentences like that is pretty challenging. The um, so after that initial 24 hours, the intestine has to kind of sh- close off its ability to absorb those molecules. Antibodies are pretty relatively large molecules, and um, if the intestine like the intestine is going to be full of bacteria, right? Like your intestine is full of poop and bacteria. And so is most, uh, so the GI of most animals is also full of bacteria. And like, I've talked multiple times about how kids develop their gastrointestinal system and the stomach, the abomasum, the rumen, all of that stuff populates with bacteria from them being exposed to it and putting their mouth on everything. And if the intestine did not close down its, like, permeability, then it would be at higher risk for just, like, letting all that stuff in. So... You got that 24-hour window for colostrum to be, for antibodies from colostrum to be absorbed across and be protective for the kid. Antibodies last about, like, two weeks, two to four weeks, something around there. We don't exactly know, and it's different for every individual animal, let alone species, and, you know, colostrum quality. There's a lot of variables. How much colostrum does your kid need to get so in general like you will physically if you're milking a doe that's a just freshened you'll notice that the quality of the milk will change over the first 24 to 72 hours of uh, lactation so like three to five days in milk you've got no pretty much no colostrum left and you've got milk and that makes sense because the baby's only going to get colostrum for 24 hours it's only going to be doing what it's supposed to do for 24 hours so if that 24 hours is up why is mom going to make colostrum anymore nobody's going to benefit from it the um So generally what we do with our kids is all of that milk for the first 24 to 70, well, really for the first like 10 days of lactation, that doe's milk goes to her babies. And then we change to a replacer. But uh, the that colostrum, that first 24 hours, so certainly the first two to three milkings of that doe should go to the babies, like all of it. And, um, yeah, there, you, you see the, the milk colostrum become more and more milk-like over that period, and then it's, it's all good. What is, like, I think probably by far and away the people, (laughs) people who are, dealing with goat kids and fresh goat kids tend to be like more tend to try to do more complicated things than is really necessary so you've got your goat kid out you've got them dried off they're either with mom or they're in a warming barrel or they're someplace warm and dry and they're getting fed like they got colostrum they got their umbilical cord dipped and tied like 
that's that's pretty much all they need. Um, the most important thing for goat kids is to stay warm and dry and be fed. Like it, those those two things are not complicated. Warm and dry, keep them fed. Keep them warm, keep them fed. Like it does that. By far and away, that is the most important thing for fresh goat kids to be warm and dry and fed. Like, end of discussion. People want to get really excited about things and go back to, like, I don't remember, maybe somewhere in single-digit episodes about goat kid nutrition, and maybe I'll go back and listen to that episode myself to remember what I said about it. But people like to make things more complicated with these fresh babies than it really is. People want to get excited about, like, oh my god, they need thiamine. Oh my god, they need probiotics. Oh my god, they need to be dewormed. And no, they don't. So those those things right there. Let's talk about it. Thiamine. So uh, I think I started to record an episode on goat polio, polio encephalomalacia, which is thiamine deficiency. And that has to do most often with an imbalance of the rumen flora causing thiamine deficiency, either because the bugs aren't making enough of it or other bugs are eating it up. These kids don't have a rumen yet. They should be getting what they need from their mom, from milk. Your your polio, your goats with goat polio with PEM do like they have a rumen usually, and usually something happened to upset that rumen that caused them to have a thiamine deficiency. So right now, when these kids are fresh and new, they like B vitamin probably isn't gonna hurt anything. Like B vitamin is a water soluble vitamin. Thiamine is. I can't remember which number B vitamin it is right now. I've looked this up before. Um, but it's all the B vitamins are water-soluble. If they're present in excess, they will be urinated out. But, like, goat kids typically do not need that really, really right off the bat. Usually if they're acting neurologic, it's because they're cold or they're hypoglycemic. So they're cold and they haven't been and or they haven't been fed enough. The other thing that people want to try to do is give probiotics. If there's a GI upset, like diarrhea is probably, diarrhea or constipation. So these are two things that people get really excited about in goat kids that I, I probably got more, I have had one goat kid where true constipation was a real problem out of hundreds that I've raised over the last 10 years. 10, 12 years. I don't know how many years now. Um, so like hundreds of goat kids, I've had one. That is less than 1% of goat kids. And to see like people talk in like the Facebook groups and things like that about constipation in goat kids, like you would think it's a, a significant issue that you have to worry about all the time. You don't. Um, I talked about, I think in the normal goat kid things episode, I talked about, um, like, goat kid poop. Like, goat kids come out, and I think human kids have meconium, too, so that is, like, black, tarry, worm-like poop. And 
um, it's really sticky and gross and take it off your towels before you put your towels in the washer because <laughs> that will not dissolve in water and it will clog up your washing machine filter um, but uh, yeah so there's meconium which comes out as black and is normal for it to look like that and then poop changes to like yellow orange which is milk poop and like it's pretty like it's pretty normal and now I have to figure out where the lab is all right and I just walked all the way around the like large state department of agriculture building because I haven't actually been to the lab before like physically inside it I usually just send stuff there Anyway, I think I was talking about goat poop. Um, so wanting to give goat, uh, goat kids probiotics is not really needed yet because they're gonna do that on their own. Um, they're gonna develop their rumen, they're gonna develop their gut biome over like the first six to 12 months of their life, I really feel like. Um, even longer than that. Like, I look at my older, mature does, and they have, like, gigantic rumens. And my, like, one- to two-year-old does have, like, nice rumens, but they're not as big. So, um, probiotics, like, they don't really need them. They're not, they're not made to need bugs yet. That's not going to be super helpful. Um, and then, like, deworming goat kids. Like, go... I... Go listen to the four-episode series on gastrointestinal parasites in goats and, um, you know, the episode where we're talking about, like, what kind of parasites are they, what's their life cycle like. Your goat kid that is, like, five days old has had minimal, minimal, minimal uh, exposure to gastrointestinal parasites they have had like limited opportunity to pick up the infective stage larva especially like in my geographic area of the world where it's winter right now they're not out grazing they're not picking up that infective uh usually l3 stage larva out i think it's l3 isn't that terrible i've forgotten i just did that a few months ago and i the little the details get fuzzy um but the infective stage of the larva out on pasture usually or potentially like in their stalls or barns or wherever they are in, in my geographic area of the world the life cycle is slowed down because like it's not warm out those those ova the eggs that are shed in poop are going to stay more quiescent because it's cold out and depending on what species of parasite it is, they might even, like, not survive if it's really, really cold and dry. Or if, depending on what species of parasite they are, they might not even care because they're obnoxious. So your goat kids do not need to be dewormed, like, for a bit. Usually uh, when they're young and if they have GI problems, usually diarrhea, then um, they just need to work it out usually it's just like milk scours and they're fine um so keeping warm and dry and fed is is the top priority for goat kids i also mentioned this in like the goat kid 
like normal goat kid things quick episode about this time last year things about people getting really excited about lax tendons or contracted tendons and like most of the time guys those don't need selenium or whatever you want to give them um they mostly are fine they just need time they've been curled up in a little ball inside mom's belly for five months and getting crowded so yeah go back and listen to normal goat kid things from spring of 2019 and it's i think it's a pretty quick like 15 or 20 minute episode touching on all of these things again as well um like i said i think i'm gonna have a separate episode about failure of passive transfer and I will talk more in that episode about the specifics of the immune system and I'm gonna like review (laughs) I'll do a little review of the specifics of the immune system before I record and then post that episode because I don't want to tell you something that's wrong Uh, (laughs) I, I can't keep all the things in my brain all the time so I try try to do the best that I can um but if there's one takeaway from this episode it is to once your kids are out keep them warm and dry and fed and like that's gonna really like take away a lot of your um a lot of your issues with your goat kids like goat kids that are warm and dry and well fed tend to thrive unless they've got something else going on so Yeah, I think there's a bunch of other episodes about goat kids that you should also check out. It's the right time of year, and I should go listen to them and see what I said before. So I'm not repeating myself too much. If you have questions, like specific questions about your goat kids or whatever else about goats or other things such as that, feel free to email me, goat.cara at gmail.com. Find me on the Instagram at goat underscore doc. Uh, hit up Apple Podcasts and rate and review because that's got to, I think, I think people are less inclined to do that than any of the other things. Um, so hit, head on over there and rate and review to help other people find the podcast. And so I can do my fun giveaway. I'm going to give some stuff away. Uh, but I think that is going to do it for the moment. And I will talk to you guys next time. Yeah. <laughs>